everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Stir up your drink, not your budget. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, what's up, bud, and what are you drinking there? I am polishing off the final tastes of my Oma Gang. Please tell me you're not still drinking Oma Gang. Oh, I am. Good. Abby, Abby Ella. Double You've been drinking that for like three or four hours now. Yeah. I mean. All right. How about uh, Jesus. I can't get like tanked. Who you know? said? Who said? Uh, I think you did one time. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can drink a bomber and it's whatever. All right. I mean, you, you know right. me. I get sloppy. Mm-hmm. I get sloppy. It's true. Uh, keeping a highbrow today. Speaking Bra. of highbrow, we should we should keep it highbrow because today is Father's Day. So happy mm. Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And That's right. We are doing a little special, just like we did on our Mother's Day special. Uh, the Mother's Day special, we interviewed each other. Well, I interviewed my mom, and Andrew interviewed his mom. Mm. So for Father's Day, I interviewed my dad. And you interviewed your dad, and Yay. my and my dad is very he. My dad actually listens to the show. He's a he's he's a, a my fan. dad does too. Actually. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, does your mom? Uh, no. My mom doesn't know. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yay for supportive moms. No, <laughs> so my dad was <laughs> when I was recording my mom. My mom's like, like podcast. What? What? My 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 dad said, "Wait, you're recording mom." Well, you better, you better, you better record me for Father's Day. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely gonna. Re- don't worry about it. And I was worried because my dad can friggin' talk. Like, I, now I know where you get it from. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's why. I, uh, Laura's like, uh, you never shut up like me. Like I, I never stop talking. And I thought, but then I met you, and you've surpassed me yeah, far I'm beyond. Yeah, for sure. Talkitude. No, so but uh, my dad, we didn't. We had a short half hour conversation, but. Uh, let's before we get into it. Um, we have to say if you guys have questions about personal finance, budgeting, whatever, investing, all those good things, anything, anything money related, or you just want to say hello, shoot us an email uh, to listenmoneymatters at gmail dot com. And we want submissions for catchphrases at the beginning of the show. We read one every show, and mm-hmm. uh, today's catchphrase was "Stir up your drink, not your budget," and that was sent in by your wife, Laura. Yay! Thanks, Laura. And you can send them via Twitter at Money Matters Man, and that's perfect. So we're going to start by uh, sh- uh, listening to the interview with you, you and your dad. Since yeah. uh, we did my mom for first. <laughs> so, so I demanded that uh, me and my dad go first. My uh, dad goes first since your mom went first. on the- Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, your dad went first. What did you and your dad talk about? Uh, everything. I mean, we talked, we talked about uh, job hopping mm-hmm. and... And uh, he he started. I don't want to go too much and you know spoil it, but he changed careers and stuff, and it was like kind of late and just um, that to do good, you don't have to be brilliant because me and my neither me or my dad are brilliant. We're just normal dudes who work hard. I can attest for you. I don't know about your dad, but yeah, uh, he's smarter than me. Okay, but um, still, neither of us are, are you know prodigies. Cool. So and, and and did you talk to your dad uh, about like him before you existed? Uh yeah yeah so a okay. little bit about that and um just about managing money smart decisions bad decisions tips all, all kinds of rich tips rich, stuff like that all kinds of rich tips that's right okay <laughs> all right well I guess we can get into it right yes sir so without further ado here is Andrew interviewing his father for Father's Day. Hey, Dad. 
Hey, how are you? Good. Happy Father's Day, even though it's not really Father's Day while we're recording. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, we're, do- we're doing our Father's Day special, and uh, I've learned I- – I've taken most of my money knowledge from, from you and mom right. over the years, and uh, I want to kind of dig into like your past and – and how you kind of uh, came to be like a money person. Because I know you didn't start anywhere near a money person. Right, right. So like uh, from, from the beginning, like what what was – because you guys are, are frugal. And not like super frugal, but you're very conscious of money. And how did that all kind of start for you? Well, I think neither one of us grew up with money. And when I was first growing up, I was born on Long Island. My parents had a house. Uh, your aunt, my sister, had her own bedroom, had my own bedroom. We were in the suburbs, typical family. My father worked for a, an aviation company, and he did cast and dies for airplane parts. And his company went on strike, and they were out for like 16 weeks, and nobody would hire him as a part-time worker because they knew as soon as his company went off strike, uh, he would be gone. And they had to sell the house because they were going to lose it, and we moved to Brooklyn. And I went from the suburbs in a nice house to an apartment building, where I shared a, a bedroom with my sister, your aunt. And uh, I remember my father sometimes working two jobs just to make ends meet. And I remember phone calls coming in about bills that were late. And we never wanted for anything, but we never really took vacations, uh, very rarely. I didn't even go on an airplane until I was like 19 years old. And I remember thinking, you know, I just don't want to be like that when I grow up. My father worked very hard, but he really had nothing to show for it. And I just remember thinking that means I have to make a lot more money. So, um, were, you, you know, were your I, parents like bad with money, or they—they they were? I don't think they were bad with money. They just never really had some. Both my parents worked. My mother stopped working when she was older, but both of them worked. And I think they always wanted to make sure that uh, my sister and I had everything we needed. So we always had clothes. We always had food. We always had a roof over our heads, but they never tried to save money. You know, maybe they didn't have it to save. You know, I don't really know. Uh, but they weren't really that aware about money and how to manage it and what things they could do. And my father started his own business when he was in his 50s, um, scraping floors. But even with that, you know, he was just really making ends meet. And he had to work into his 70s. And when um, he finally stopped working more because he just couldn't do it anymore than anything else, uh, they didn't really have any money saved, and they could barely get by on their Social Security, and they really had no pensions to speak of. Um, and I, my first major in college was music. I was a musician. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I started out going to school during the day, and in, in New York City University used to be free. And then, oh, wow. yeah, it was, was, was that like the reason you chose that school? Or yeah, absolutely, because we didn't have money for college, and. Um, after two years, I was started. I started working part time in a bank on the days I wasn't going to school. Uh, two years into music, I'm thinking I'm going to wake up, be 40 years old, playing weddings and bar mitzvahs, not having any money, and that's not what I want to do. <laughs> so I got a full time job. I went to school at night for accounting. Uh, my company paid for like 80 percent of the tuition, which was good. Wow! And for me, a lot of what drove my career was. Um, and you know, you, in a lot of your podcasts, you talk about you know thinking about the way you spend money, um, being able to save money, and then the third piece you talk about is just making more money. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it for me was driven by I was never satisfied with what I was making, and I always felt I could do better. 
So a lot of what drove my career was, you know, I, I know I could either make more money here or more money somewhere else because I was already saving because we were frugal and, you know, we were already always careful about what we did. So a lot of my career was driven by, I know somebody's going to pay me more to do, you know, what I'm doing now. And because mom and I never really had a lot growing up, for some reason we didn't have this pent up, like we must buy everything because we can. Mm. You know, we, we, we live, you know, within our means, well within our means. Um, you know, we don't buy things that we don't need. But I think a lot of what drove me was I just didn't want to be like my parents were, where they could barely pay their bills. Um, they didn't have any money when they retired. They really, you know, I, I guess they enjoyed life. Mm. but not the way we enjoy life. They, they didn't vacation. They really didn't go out to dinner much. Um, you know, they didn't do any of that. And I just didn't want to be like that. So uh, you you started working for the bank and you said, you know, you, you always wanted to work for someone else because you know they would pay you more. Um, but like... Uh, how did you know? Like, what are some of the things that you did? Like, obviously, if you just showed up every day, I don't yeah. imagine they would pay you more. You know, like, so, nah. <laughs> so I'll give you an example. It's one company I was working for. They did. Uh, they had a portfolio accounting system, and I was working on my MBA at night because after I finished my undergraduate at night, I started working on my MBA at night, and I actually graduated while I was working there. And I remember saying to my boss, and it was a small company, maybe 120 people. I remember saying, you know, I got my MBA, I would like to get some raise. And at the same time, I was interviewing with a financial services company that's long gone, a company called uh, Payne Weber, mm. which um, actually was bought up by, I forget who bought them up, UBS or one of those. But anyway, um, so anyway, I got a job offer from this company who really doesn't know me at all. Mm. And my boss comes back and he tells me, you know, we're going to give you a 5% increase. But this company that didn't know me at all was going to give me a 20% increase to go join them. Wow. So it was a pretty easy decision. <laughs> you know, I went and I joined them. And that was, that was my first taste of financial services. And financial services just generally pays a lot more. You put in a lot more hours. It's a lot more stressful. You know, mm. But the pay is very good. And I was working with people who were making ridiculous amounts of money, like the head of the fixed income trading desk who – the, the New York City withholding tax on his bonus was more than I made all year. <laughs> so I, I knew the money was there. So, And then I just worked really hard. Whenever I would see opportunities, I would step up to the plate. So a lot of it, some people will just go to work and they'll do whatever they have to do to get the job done. And then the people that really get ahead are the ones that just try to do more and stick their neck out a little bit. So a lot of it was promotions, getting the experience, meeting the right people. Um, you know, and, and some of my moves were because... Somebody knew me, they went to another company, and they asked me to come across. Uh, but I think a lot of it, a lot of my success in the working world was just willing to put in the hours and do things that other people either didn't want to do or, or couldn't do. Right. So, like, uh, these days, um, it's, like, almost encouraged to get job after job. And, like, if you stay at a job for, like, five years, they're almost like... Why'd, why'd you stay there so long? But, right. But back when you had your first jobs and you were working, it was more like you get a job and you work there for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So uh, weren't you like nervous and thinking you were crazy to be jumping around? Um, I was a little bit and it was when I was actually at Bankers Trust Company, which was after Payne Weber, and I was there for maybe three or four years and one of our top sales guys went to Barclays 
and convinced me to come across. And I was at Barclays for almost 10 years. So, um, but at this point, yeah, you're right. If I was that, if you're any place that long, people look at you like you're crazy. So thankfully the, how often I changed jobs and the environment caught up. So the many times I changed jobs was considered more normal, uh, than it was back when I started, but, um, it didn't seem to stop me. I remember, uh, one of, or one of the things I, I particularly remember is um, when I was young, you would be taking interviews at places what, when you were happy at the job. And it was just to kind of hear what they had to say. And I, I guess I always remember that, like, you have nothing to lose just to go on an interview. Absolutely. And uh, it, only good things can happen. And, Absolutely. You know, I guess if you fail, then you, then you learn why right. they didn't want you and you can get right. better. But uh, – I- I think one of the other really big drivers for me was when I was, so I was going to school, um, I still wasn't working full time, and then during the summers, I would work with my father in his floor scraping business, and he didn't really pay me that much, it didn't matter, just to get the experience, and it was such a difficult job, it was so hard, a lot of noise, a lot of dust, um, you know, and you didn't really make a lot of money, and that was also a driver for me, thinking like, I know my father works harder than anyone else, but... If I'm going to work that hard, I really want to get paid for it. So, so a lot of it, I think, was experiences of not so much the right things my parents did. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say the wrong things they did, but things that I didn't want to do that drove me to do different things, I think, was the biggest driver for me. So, so you saw their life and you, you learned that uh, you just had to do things differently. Right. You know, and then the career I wound up in was mostly supporting private banking, wealth management businesses, investment businesses. And you just obviously learn a lot. These are all people that are managing money for people who have millions of dollars. And you just learn all the stuff from them. And, you know, you use this phrase a lot. There's a difference between rich and being wealthy. And, you know, the people they managed money for, they, they were wealthy. They had a lot of money. They didn't need to flaunt it. These people helped them make more money from their money. So a lot of how I manage my money is learning from, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with. Right, right. So, um... You, man, I, I had a really good question. I told oh, sorry. you. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, one thing I really want to know is because you made a lot of like awesome decisions. What what are some of like the the bad things? The bad uh, I made a lot of made? I made a lot of bad, but I made a lot of bad decisions. But they didn't seem like bad decisions at the beginning. So one bad decision I made was I was the same uh, software development company I was working for, and I was in their finance department, and had decided. And this is the early days of computers before PCs. That's a million years ago. Hey, you know, I really like programming. That's what I wanted to do. So I went on this interview, and I got a job with ADT, which is the the security company. And some reason they hired me in sort of like their soft, not development, but software support department. And not only did I hate the people that I worked with, but I realized like I really can't even do this stuff. <laughs> um, and I wound up then going back to the same company I left after you know a month or two. So that was a bad decision. Other decisions don't seem bad until after the fact, like um, when when Barclays, when I was working for Barclays, I was selling off the business I was in, and I had a choice to go work in the UK forever or look for another job, mm. um, and I went to go work, and I'm not going to name the company because I don't know who's listening who's not, but I went to go work for this company, and all the guy that had the job before me, it didn't work out for him, and he was still at the company, but he was in a different area, and everyone that had worked for him was really upset that this guy was kind of pushed out of the spot. And all the warning signs were there that there's a reason why this guy was pushed out of the spot. 
and it was because there were jerks working in the business. So, but I, had, I took the role anyway. You know, so sometimes you, you don't see all of the facts. You don't want to see all the facts in front of you and you do things. But, you know, I don't think you could have any regrets. I think you make decisions based on the information you have. You know, you're not a mind reader. You're not a fortune teller. And you make these decisions based on, you know, sort of good faith. Right. And everybody's on their best behavior. You know, and in the end, it kind of all worked out. But, you know, there are always bumps in the road. So uh, to, to go back a little bit, and because I, I remembered while while you're talking, the question I <laughs> asked, um, because your your huge passion was was music, and you were right. going to school for music, um, and I, I guess I want to know like what made you choose finance? I mean, was it just the numbers that you saw, and then uh, was it like passion? Not like passionless, but I mean, obviously it was different than music. So how did that kind of work for you? Yeah, I think I started to realize with music, it doesn't really matter. It's, and it's with any of the arts. So little has to, it really depends on how good you are. And so much depends upon being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people. And, you know, I had at that point been playing a lot of clubs in the city. I've been writing my own music. I had actually won some awards for it. And I guess I was concerned that I was going to wind up like my parents. Maybe I wasn't going to be scraping floors, but I was not going to be making much money Mm-hmm. even though I was doing my passion. And there's a correlation between music and numbers. And I just started taking accounting, and I got my degree in accounting. By the time I graduated, I realized I didn't really want to be an accountant. And <laughs> you know, did, my, did my MBA in finance. And that, that really did become a passion for me because I like helping people run their business, and they're usually internal businesses within a large company, but you know, helping them with strategic planning and forecasting and uh, so much of what I learned as I moved through my career, I was able to leverage, um, and that kind of became a passion for me. So, is it that um, you go and do something, and then you be you see if it is something that you're passionate in, and like you develop passion? Like, how does that work? I think it's less about seeing if you're. I think it's being passionate about doing a good job is what drives me. So it's less about. My passionate about finance because I could tell you that I would still be more passionate about music than I would about finance. So it's being passionate about I want to be the best at what I do. I want people to think I'm doing a really good job, you know, and that's going to all lead to good things. And it doesn't always lead to good things, but there's a much better chance it will. So for me, I think it was more about a passion of being really good at what I do and people saying, hey, this guy's doing a good job. And, you know, that leads to a, a promotion or more opportunity. So, uh, I mean, the, the story is, is definitely condensed. And so it seems like you, you know, you did music and then you <laughs> right. were finance and then it was like success and it's like, you know, get rich quick. But I, I know it, that wasn't really how it went. And, no. and I know right. that being in music and then going to something else must be like crazy scary. Like, how did that? Oh, oh absolutely. And not to steal a phrase from, and I think the guy's name, getting rich slowly, but. You know, when I switched to accounting, I was going to school at night, and halfway through the switch to accounting, we moved to New Jersey. This was before you were born, and I was working in New York, and every night I would then take the train down to Brooklyn so I could go, I was going to Brooklyn College, and train back to New York so I could take New Jersey Transit home. And, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. And then when, when you were born, um, both mom and I had been working, and we were making about the same amount of money. 
And when we did the math on how much it would cost to get somebody to take care of you and everything else, it was almost like break even. So we decided she would stay home. And then the amount of responsibility, you know, in my mind about like everything depended on me mm. was also sort of a driving factor for me. You know, and we, you know, we, you've heard the stories. We, we would use a calculator when we went to the store and we would be careful about what we spent. And, um, you know, I, I think it was just like a process. But before we even moved to New Jersey, when we lived in an apartment building, we went to the supermarket and we knew exactly how much we had to spend. And we would have arguments over, you know, I wanted to get something else, but it wasn't on the list or we couldn't afford it. Or how much of an allowance did I have for lunches that, when I was going to work. And, you know, we had everything down to the, to the penny. And there was no mint, you know, during that time. <laughs> And, I remember know, you guys had your checkbook out and you yeah. would do it all by hand. And Absolutely, absolutely. So I think we just never forgot that. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, even in the, in the later years, because you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, a company goes out of business that you're working for or they sell a division and you're in and you have to get a new job. So you just wind up putting away money because you pretty much have everything you need to live and you want to put the money away because we have educations to pay for or what happens if I'm out of work and you know you get to a point in life where you're actually living the way you should you're living within you know modest means and we don't scrim it's not like we you know don't get the things we want to get we we go on nice vacations you know we go out for nice dinners but you know we don't buy Ferraris not that I could afford (laughs) you know we don't we didn't buy like a house down the shore you know I could but do I really need it um you know we just kind of lived within that. So you you made this transition and uh, because I think there are, there are a lot of people who maybe got an education in something that they feel like maybe it wasn't worth it in hindsight or they're doing something now but they want to do something else. Like how long did it take you to make that transition and like do you have any like insights to kind of share in, in that? Um, I don't think the transition ever ends. I think if you ask me now, I would still tell you I don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, you know, it's because just these things change. And the other day we were out walking the dog and we saw the sign for a church sermon and it said, it's never too late to be who you want to be. Hmm. And it's true. And I think you could always change your life. But it's not like it's too late. Like I remember my father starting a business when he was in his 50s. I mean, who does that? And, yeah. you know, some of it's about taking risks. You know, and sometimes you're right and sometimes you're not. You know, my father didn't know much about running a business. And when you, when you do something that you're dependent on yourself, there's only so many hours in the day and the week. And when those are done, you can't make any more money unless you hire people to do it and stuff like that. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I think it's everything, everything is the path. And sometimes you, you might have a situation where it just turned out horrible and then later in life, you realized everything you learned during that horrible situation prepared you for something else or gave you some type of experience that allows you to do something that you wouldn't have been able to do if you didn't have that terrible experience. Hmm. So to me, it's just like you know a path. And, and I think the saving money part to the extent you can and being frugal are the easier pieces. I think the making more money, and it's easy to say it, but it's really hard to do, that's the harder one. And I think that... And it's not just about the money, but I think if you focus on trying to be the best that you could be in something, 
the opportunities will open up for you and the ability to earn more money you know, will be there. Do you think that it's uh, necessary to, to jump around in order to, to reach your maximum in- income potential? Or I think it's always important to go on those interviews when you're not really looking because you learn two things. One is you just learn about things you've never heard about before, but you also start to get a feel for your worth. Can you, can you tell my mom to stop ripping paper in the background? <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you go out on, on these interviews and you realize, actually, these people want to pay me a lot more than I'm getting paid now. And maybe you weren't looking for a job, but you realize, well, if they're going to pay me that much more, then if they offer me the job, I'm going to take it. So part of it is just, and I think even if you're like super happy and you think you're being paid right, it never hurts to just go out and say, you know what? I'm going to just um, go out on this interview and you know see what it's all about. And I'll give you another good example. This, this woman that, that I worked with recently um, was leaving the, leaving the company because she got a job, better job or whatever. And she had to start interviewing people for her replacement before she left. Right. And then she realized that they were making before they got there a lot more money than she was making while she was there <laughs> and probably more money than she was going to be making in her new job. And so I think it's important to do that, that sort of sanity check, um, cause that just tells you what you're worth and you know, you're, you're only worth what people are willing to pay you, but you, if you don't test it, you're not going to know. Right. So, um, you, you have invested and, you know, packed, packed money away. Uh, what were some of like the, the good decisions and then, uh, of course, some of the bad decisions that you made there. So some of the bad decisions. So I remember... An airline, this is before your time, called Pan Am. And all they, the airlines... They had a whole struggled. TV show about it. I know. <laughs> and I remember Pan Am was struggling, and I remember doing this analysis, and their book value, which means like if they paid off all of their debt, how much would they have left? Their book value is worth more than their actual share value, the value of their stock. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'm going to buy this stock, and of course they declare bankruptcy, but what I didn't know is in a bankruptcy, all that extra money is taken up by... The attorneys and mm. the consultants and the people suing and everything else. That was that was a bad decision. Another bad decision was um, having gone through the whole Lehman experience where a part of my bonus was paid out in restricted stock units that vest in five years. And most of those left when Lehman went bankrupt, all the restricted stock units were done. And my next job, I was also getting restricted stock units. But these, instead of having five-year vesting, they were uh, three-year vesting, but it was a third, a third, a third. And I remember when the first third came due, I remember saying, I- I'm going to sell these shares because I'm not going through another Lehman. Right. Um, which, which company was this, by the way? MF Global. <laughs> okay. And um, Who, also, who sell- also declared bankruptcy. Yes. <laughs> so this was before the bankruptcy. And when with restricted stock units, what happens is the taxable event is when the restricted stock units are vested. So you get these shares. So, so even before you sell them, you have to pay tax. Right. And, and generally what they do is they take 20% of the value of those shares and they do federal withholding for you. Mm-hmm. But the taxable event is whatever those shares are worth. And um, somebody talked me out of selling them. And then, and then MF Global went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So in that year, I got taxed for a lot of money. For stocks that I no longer had, and so here it was like it was crazy. So you have this income that you never got that you get taxed on for something that's worth. So that was that was a really bad mistake. I don't want to say it was not all my mistake, um, <laughs> but certainly I could have pushed the issue more, and I didn't. 
Um, <laughs> I, I see mom. I see mom trying to sneeze in the background. She's so loud. Um, so, but then some of the good, good decisions I made is obviously, obviously, sure, good decision. Like the Apple stock has worked out really well. Um, there were some mutual funds. Whose idea was that one? That was your idea. <laughs> um, there were some mutual funds I bought that have done really well. Um, you know, like if you took all your money and all you did was just buy an S and P 500 tracker, mm. you would, you would do really well without having, you know, uh, but like you, I like to sometimes pick individual stocks and invest in them. And I would say generally speaking, I've done really well. You know, unfortunately two of the companies I worked for, I invested in them and that, that didn't work out, you know, that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I think another interesting thing is. You went through the Lehman bankruptcy, right. and and you were <laughs> she's I just see her laughing in the background because she's so loud. She's yeah, ripping paper. And I she's... didn't do this during her interview. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say you, you went through the Lehman bankruptcy, and and you were jobless, right? Right. Yeah. And, and for and, for a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I. I when and you know, having lived through that thing, it was hard for everyone. But I think anyone that was in financial services is particularly hard. And if you worked for you know Lehman or Bear Stearns, you know any of these, um, like I thought I would never work again. I mean, that's how bad it was. I was going to say, like, how'd you dig yourself out? I mean, because that was a really tough time. Yeah, I mean, we had money in the bank. Um, and part of it, you feel kind of worthless because here you are, like, you, you know, you can't get a job. You had a loan, but you really don't care. You can't get a job. It was a horrible time. It was the absolute worst time of year to look for a job because it was the end of October when we got let go. Um, so it was like basically a month after they went bankrupt. Who, who really hires people that time of the year? No one. Um, besides the fact that so many people are out of work. And every day I spent at least eight hours every day just looking for a job. Um, and, you know, after a while, you, you just start to get some people who are interested in you and, so I was out for like three months, but I know people who are out for over a year. So yeah, it was it was really worrying because I actually thought I'll, I'm never going to work again. How long did it take you to find the job after the bankruptcy? Um, about three and a half months. Uh, three and a half months or so. And and then you were at MF Global, and, Global. and it was rinse and repeat. <laughs> they right. they also declared bankruptcy. Right. So I mean, unfortunately, it was one year where when when John Corzine took over, and they didn't have they were a little bit cash. Short. So he decided that year he was going to pay everybody's bonus um, and restrict the stock units. So 95% of my bonus, which is like half of what I make, mm. was paid in restricted stock units, which of course, you know, we never got. <laughs> um, wow. So uh, you, how long were you out of work then after MF Global? Um, I wasn't because when they declared bankruptcy, because I worked for the CFO, I wound up on the bankruptcy wind down. Mm. So I was still getting paid. Um, Got paid a lot more in salary, but there was no bonus. And then um, somebody I used to work for at Lehman had left Lehman with a bunch of other Lehman people long before the bankruptcy, started up a hedge fund, and called me, and I wound up getting a job there. So I'm working with people that I know, doing things different than I had done in prior jobs, but leveraging a lot of the skills that I have. So uh, you actually – I know you learned like so much – Looking for a job, so so much so that you wound up actually starting a blog, CareerAlley.com, right, to right. kind of talk about it. And I'm sure you've learned so much just doing the blog. Like, do you have any kind of insights to share for people who just 
got laid off, got got stuck in a bad situation, and and they're kind of in dire straits. Yeah, I, I think that if you're li- literally out of work, um, as long as you don't have to get a part time job, then you should be spending eight to ten hours a day just looking for a job. And it's so easy to do it on the internet now. I think you need to split your time between recruiters, job search sites, company websites, and your network. And I think if you just say every day, I am just going to contact one recruiter, I'm going to look at one company website, I'm going to look at one job search thing, and I'm going to contact one person in my network. By the end of you know, a couple of weeks, you've done like you know, 20, 30, 40 different contacts. And I think over a period of time, and no one wants to be out of work for months, you just start to get all of these responses. Some people will tell you, don't flood the market. You know, it's not good to flood the market. And every recruiter, I what do, you, what do you mean flood the market? Well, you know, you shouldn't contact every recruiter. Or you shouldn't contact every company. You shouldn't contact everyone in your network. But And, and I would tell every recruiter, oh, no, I'm, I'm just using a handful of recruiters. And you're one of them. Because if you tell them I've contacted 300 and you're 301, they're not going to spend any time. But I really believe that um, it's like anything else. If, if you don't market the product, nobody's going to buy it because they don't know it's there. Mm. Um, and if, if you do your commercials about it, about what you do and who you are, and the more people you tell about that, then there's more of a chance that somebody's going to buy it. Um, so I think that if you just are diligent about when you're out of work, your job is to find a job. And yeah, if you have to work part-time and do something else, um, do it. I think if you're out for an extended period of time, I think you need to... Even if you do volunteer work or uh, you know, working for a nonprofit, as an example, or maybe you're doing consulting and it's not a regular job, you're keeping current. Because if you're out for three or four months and people say, well, what have you been doing? You say, I've been looking for a job. They, they get kind of you know, like, they get kind of worry about it. Yeah. But if you say, oh, you know, I've been looking for a job, but I've been working for this nonprofit, helping them with some of my experience around finance or whatever it is you know, or I've been doing some consulting work, it helps show that you know you're out there trying to do something right right so um if you had to leave like uh like a not like a, a parting advice but like all, all the things you've learned related to money and job hunting like what, what are some of like the the things that really stick out like the, the biggest lessons you've learned um i think the biggest lessons i've learned is you just never give up that no matter how bad something may seem or how frustrating it may be to try to find a job, you just have to keep at it because I think it's the people that give up and throw their hands up or feel sorry for themselves just don't get anywhere. So I think in terms of like moving your career forward, I think it's the people who finish everything they were given to do. And yeah, maybe they're going to stay a few extra hours at work, but then just do that extra stuff, the stuff that isn't getting done because people don't have time or leveraging their experience and where they work now. And, you know, it may not get noticed immediately, but it does get noticed over time. And I think that helps you expand your horizons. And then you start to develop over your career, this network of people that you've worked with in different organizations that know you, they know the work you've done, you know, and if something comes up, you're the first person they call say, Hey, I've got this position or you're interested or, you know, do you know someone? So I think it's giving up, working really hard. I think it's living within your means. And yeah, there's like so many things I could spend my money on, but do I really need it? Right. Um, you know, like what do you really need to live? And I'm not talking about driving, you know, a 50-year-old car, or, you know, never going on vacation. But, you know, 
but you don't need to fly a, a Learjet to go on vacation. <laughs> you don't need to stay at, you know, like the best hotels in the world. And you don't need, you know. So I think if you are reasonable about what you do and how you live your life um, and you, you know, try to make more money, I, I, I think you get there. Awesome. Thank, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I, thought, I think it was like a, a super awesome interview. Thanks. And uh, uh, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right, so that was Andrew and his dad talking about finance, talking about money and growing up and obviously job hopping. That's kind of like the podcast topic. Yeah, (laughs) that's what we talked about. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, so uh, here's the thing. Mm. How, how, How was it interviewing your dad on a serious note? You know, like, um, how, like how do, how was it weird? Was it awkward? You know, it, it was actually. I felt it was harder to ask him questions knowing that we were recording. Uh huh. Because it was like very. I mean, usually I just bullshit with him. Right. We just talk and right. I ask him questions, and I see him all the time. So it was actually once we we went off the mic, then we even had like an even more frank, like awesome discussion. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it was just awkward because we were recording. Maybe that's know? the thing. Like maybe you have to say like, "Oh, Dad, I just want to talk to you for a little bit." And then just secretly Yeah, well, I just want to talk to you for a bit. Put on the ear he- the, the headset. Yeah, if you don't mind. It's, it's a, there's some st- – yeah, and just like t- completely like ambush him and say, oh, by the <laughs> way, I recorded that whole thing. See ya. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye. Right. Uh, so we're going to listen to my dad's interview uh, now. And uh, my dad is used to being on the mic. My dad uh, talks. There's actually a couple times in the interview I was like, Dad, you got to get closer to the mic. I shouldn't have to tell you this. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn it. He's like, cut that out. I'm like, nope, not cutting it out. Leaving it in. Uh, so, but, but for fairness sake, uh, that means you prefer – you give your mom preference because you did cut for her. I did, yeah. Uh, this I, For my dad, it's, it's completely uncut. And uh, we drank – You know, he's like, oh, we, you know we got a drink on the podcast. You know? <laughs> and he goes – he's like, oh, you know what I'm drinking. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So he uh, he drank Macallan 12-year, and he mm. mentions it, and uh, and he gave me a glass of it. Dude, we – he – when I – we I, get, I told him about Macallan uh, 12 years of scotch uh, around Christmas time, and we bought a bottle, and we – both of us – like I don't I – don't, I knew that Macallan – I've had Macallan 18-year, uh, but right. I've never had Macallan 12-year, and we bought it for Christmas, and it, it's amazing. It's so It's that good. much different? Like the five years really makes like uh... see uh, we bought uh, we bought a what the hell we, oh we bought a fifteen year to test it and we actually liked it the twelve year better we liked the the lower year better huh. uh, and it's actually interesting because the same thing with tequilas and how they age them I actually like the, the, the ones early that, ones right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah and we drank Macallan and that's like his drink of choice dude he's been going through bottles now it's it's great because every time I go over there I get fucking Macallan neat it's awesome. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we talked basically about uh, you know him growing up because my dad was a musician and he he went to college unlike my mom. See, interestingly, so was my dad. What'd your dad do? I should know uh, this because I listened to he, it. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're we're recording this, not having listened to either yet. Yeah. But uh, my dad, uh, you know, played the guitar. He recorded his own music, and he would go to clubs. And he actually first majored in music, and he switched his major. Because he didn't want to be like poor for the rest of his life and 
Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, of course, everyone listening knows this because they've already heard they've it. Heard it, of course. So, uh huh. So I think our dads actually have a fair amount in common. All right. So without further ado, here is me interviewing my dad. His name is Bob. So uh, this is your first time on the podcast. Yes, it is. And Dan's been on it. Yes, I heard. Mom's been on it. Yes, I heard that one too. Uh, but Chris hasn't. No, Chris hasn't. He's the uh, the errant uh, black sheep of the family. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am drinking <laughs> a 12-year-old single malt scotch called McAllen. I am also drinking the same thing because you've been going. That? You've been going through. Why? How come? How come you've been drinking this so much? Well, as you know, you introduced it to me over the holidays, and uh, and I was a scotch drinker, but mostly blended, and uh, and kind of went off it for the longest time. And then when you got this, and you said, "Hey, let you should really try this, Dad," and I and I tried it, and I said, "This I really like." Yeah, it's good. Yes, yeah, so it is very good. So happy Father's Day. Thank you. Uh, if you hear any jingling, there's uh, dogs in the room. Yes, that's true. They're my buddies. Um, so let's get started on uh, your financial history. Oh, I know it's I know it's a tough one. Yes, it is. Mom's is a little bit interesting because I there's, I learned a lot from it that I didn't know. Well, I think, you learned a lot from this one too. Well, I hope. All right. So uh, let's see. What was your first job? Paying job. My first paying job yeah. was in Northeast Philadelphia at the Oxford Laundry. Is that where Grandma worked? No. Okay. That's uh, Bobby Hoser's uncle, Harry, Yeah, who owned it. And his dad worked there. His mom worked there. I worked there. Okay. And uh, we started out just working on the weekends. I was only 10 years old. Oh, I started when I was 13. You were 10. I was 10. But- like you, I liked having money in my pocket, and uh, I always have to be busy, as you well know. Yeah, same. so um, you know that's I, I started there, and and very disciplined. They were all uh, German and Pennsylvania Dutch. The people and, that worked at the at the laundry yeah. it was owned by Harry, who was German, and Harry and was whose father? Harry was uh, Bobby's uh, uncle. Uncle, okay. Great guy. He was a World War II vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a tail gunner and, and a B-52 bomber. All right. And uh, you, there's only one way to do things, and that's the right way. His way? Uh, well, yeah, but— So he was militant? In a sense, yes, but they, they all were that way, uh, everybody that worked there. And he had an engineer whose name was John Moog, like like the mini Moog. Hmm. And, and he was Pennsylvania Dutch— and his phrase was, uh, "Everything has a place, and everything in its place." Oh, that's where I, That's where you got that. That's from. exactly where you got it from. And we, uh, anything I ever touched of his, he knew who touched it, and yeah. and if it wasn't put back in its right spot, he basically would accuse either me or Bobby. <laughs> so you and Bobby worked at this. Yep. And you, how much did you make? You know? Oh God! You remember? Yeah, it was all cash under the table, that okay. kind of thing, and. Um, you know, it was. We basically started out wa- washing the trucks, and then we. Oh, so you weren't doing laundry? No, we washed the trucks. Yeah, uh, and then 
we eventually got moved up into the laundry and we would clean the machines. So, right. I mean, I would come home so dirty. I wasn't even allowed in the front front door. I had to go in the back yard, go in the back uh, yard. I imagine you didn't save any of this money. No. What'd you do with it? Um, back then, uh, you know, it wasn't a lot, but you know, it was lunch money. It was, you know, it was whatever. I didn't really have any jeans to save anything at that point, especially at that stage of the game. And it was very little money, but it was at least made you feel like, uh, you know, you had your own money and you were doing things. Mm-hmm. Both my parents worked, as you know, and they didn't have, they were blue collar workers. And eventually, uh, you know, I made enough money or I made some money and then I uh, went into college. So that's what you, you really went, you, it. So you worked at the laundry place. Even while I was in college. The yeah. whole the whole time. Not the whole time. I mean, when I was in college, I had to go. High I school? Worked, the same high school job? The whole way? Uh, yeah, I, I worked uh, in high school there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you never had any other job from the 10 years old to going into college? That's eight, you know, that's eight years. Yeah, I worked for Harry probably in, until I was in college. Then when I was in college, he was pretty much, you know, we, we couldn't do those type of jobs anymore. We were too big and... and and I had to um, supplement my income to support my college habit, which back then was, again, still a lot of money, but a mere pittance by what you guys have to pay. This, you know, I was going to ask, where would you go to school? I went to LaSalle College. All right. And how did you pay? Which was college back then. It's now LaSalle University. University. Yeah. How did you pay for it? Uh, it's student loans. So private or, or government? They were government-funded loans, and they were extremely low interest, mm-hmm. and it took me a good 12 years to pay it off. Oh, that's it? Yeah, but it's, um, again, you start out life in debt, well, which you, is not a good thing. Well, you started out college in debt. Yes, that's true. Not You didn't have, your, your life prior to college, you didn't have any credit cards, I imagine, because you couldn't no. until you are 18 anyway. No, no, no credit cards. And you weren't saving any of that money? No, there was you couldn't save it. It was you, you, you took it took everything just to go to college. I I couldn't go away to college, although I was offered a scholarship and I I I, I couldn't take it. You got to get closer to the mic too. It was um, it was out of state, and I realized that you know I I can't afford room and board and tuition, so I stayed local and I was accepted into LaSalle. So I took that, but the, when I was in high school, as you know, I was in the marching band. Mm. And uh, I played French horn, which was at that time, I guess, a rare instrument. And the priest, um, who I still respect and honor today, uh, as you know, in my video I created, uh, Father Mortimer got me to uh, play French horn. He drafted me. As you know, I didn't play any. I was playing a piano before then. Yeah. And uh, when he drafted me into the band uh, and introduced me to that instrument, well, you know, come to after three years, I made first chair, and I was offered a scholarship. And he was the one that actually got it all happening. He was uh, so quite you, quite a leader. And you got a scholarship to a partial scholarship, it wasn't full ride. It wasn't. A, I don't know. I, it's pretty hard to remember because, like, I I sometimes I regret that I did turn it down. But financially, there's no way I could have done it. It was way t- over my head in terms of money. Do you remember how much? Your total student loan debt was? No. No, I just noted it was, a, it was a burden. Were you working during college to pay it? Yes, I worked two jobs. 
I was playing in a band. Like a real uh, rock band? Yep. Back then, you could actually, in the 70s, uh, you could play and actually get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Five and six nights a week, which I did. Mm-hmm. Not while I was in college, I was working maybe on the weekends. Like weddings or clubs? No, the clubs, nightclubs. I did nothing but like, I was in nightclubs from the time I was 16. Illegal, but I was doing it. I was in clubs playing before I was 21. Yeah. Well, I looked older, as you know. So did I. Yep. And, uh, you know, I had no trouble getting served. Well, so I mean, so far it sounds like you're not really having any money trouble. Well, no, and and um, and and what I you know, I don't recommend this to any of your listeners. Yeah, but um, you know, being a musician and an artist, kind of a mentality, they don't go hand in hand. Even though I ran the band and actually was the one that was the liaison between the nightclub owners and the bookers, the guys uh, the the guys who booked the jobs, mm-hmm. and I was tough. Um, I had to be, I was one of the few bands that had a, um, a black front man yeah. in an all white band in an all white, uh, nightclub circuit. And I got a lot of lip for it back then. Hmm. And, uh, and of course I was, you know, a rebel as you know, and, uh, you, you could say hippie, but not really. Cause I, as again, musicians are a very rare group. They, they think differently than most people. And, um, and being an artist, you know, money was, I was very conscious of it and wanted to earn money and, uh, but everything was in the back of my head. So I never, you know, I, yes, I always kept a, a checking balance book and all that good stuff and a checkbook. And I know where all my money was being spent, but not as I was spending it. So I, you know. And then, of course, once I got married and started raising a family and you guys came along, all that went south. And all I did was uh, work and tried to keep my head above water. So it sounds like you were good with money before you got married. You think that's, <laughs> that's Not accurate? Not really. No? No. Nah, were you living paycheck to paycheck? Always. Always. It, always. As soon as I got it, it as soon gone. as I graduated college, that's all you what could the, do. What the hell are you buying? When, when I was, first off, the band, you couldn't, uh, you need, I had great credit. You needed um, instruments. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you needed instruments to play. Uh, me, I'm very fussy about how he sounded uh, and having the background from playing in a huge band, uh, which, by the way, we were world champions. So uh, the discipline at Catholic school, obviously, it was very, very uh, regimented. And you, you, the the musical director was borderline, you know, eccentric. So we were constantly tutored, and and when it came to music, there was only one way to do it, and it was the right way. Again, same thing. Yep. You know, as a musician, I shouldn't have to tell you to get to the mic closer to the mic. Yes. <laughs> I've had to tell you twice now. Yeah, I know. Well, I, well, I you know. You're getting laid back. The, uh, the yeah. scotch is going to your head. No, it's not. Not yet. No, I could I drink a bottle of this and won't affect me. You know that. Well, <laughs> I know t- apparently I know a lot. Yeah, but the listeners don't know that. No, but and that's that's from my upbringing because my grand grandfather was raised by my grandfather. 
at a very early age. So it's weird that you were balancing a checkbook because I don't know how to do that. I don't think you need to now with technology, but you you kept a balanced checkbook, but you're still but you lived paycheck to paycheck. You weren't investing, right? Nope. Why? Because no, you, you know there, no, there was there was <laughs> everything went to paying off. Basically, uh, I mean, there was a point in time where where your mom said, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think you're doing any good with the money. Why don't you let me do it? I'm like, hey, knock yourself out, go for it. Mm. And I turned everything over to her, and that that lasted about maybe five or six weeks. And she looked at me, and goes, "You don't make enough to pay all your monthly bills." I go, "No shit." <laughs> I said, "Hello, of course not." I said, "You got to know who to pay and who who you can string out." And basically, that was the game. In other that words, that was the system you built. That's the system I built because, first off, I want what I want, and I want it when I want it. And especially when it came to you know playing in the band, which was good supplemental income, mm-hmm. wasn't enough to survive on. I did it for six years. Okay, and, but that was prior to getting married. <laughs> So then when I did get married, it was like, well, I don't know if I can live off of this anymore. And mom was working or no, she wasn't. Yeah. And then, you know, but then when you guys came along, yeah, um, you know, I didn't really want her to work because that's how I was raised. My mom had to work. And so I was raised by my grandparents at a very early age. And I didn't want that for you guys. So um, I said, hey, whatever it takes, that's what we're going to do. So, no, I never made enough to support my lifestyle, but I didn't think that that was an issue. I figured sooner I'll figure it out. As long as I'm not, uh, you know, uh, underwater, I'm okay. And so I just barely kept my head head above water, and that's really how it went. In other words, I could stretch out this, you know, electric or gas, Mm -hmm. the water bill. I lived in Philly, so I knew who I could stretch out and who I had to pay. So you never you never were late on your mortgage. That's number one. And everything right. else was, hmm, I guess I can, you know, play it out a little bit. So and that's what I, that's how I did it. It's definitely not the way to go. Right. No, it's not the way to go. And today, the only reason why you're doing this podcast is because I saw you going down the same path. And I said, There's no way I can I can preach to him or even say, Hey, look, I did all of this. That's not the way to go. You lead by example. So I decided enough is enough. I got to straighten my act out if you're ever going to straighten your act out. And it worked. Yeah, because you can't tell me what not to do. No, I have to to lead by example. That's the only way to go. Yeah. So are you doing that now? Oh, yeah. No. I I actually, uh, for the first time uh, in a long time, um. I'm not underwater. I still. And, and, you know, what do you mean? You're not living paycheck to paycheck. Not really. Not today. I'm a little much better. Uh, I I would say the turning point was seeing you do the same dumb stuff, and I said, "Well, how can I preach to him? I'm doing it too." So, right. uh, and then uh, I was at a seminar, which I don't go to too many, but work sent me to one, and uh, and the guy, it was, it was. For my business, uh, the company I work for, but he recommended a book that everybody should read. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, okay. And usually I, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. But this time, the way the guy presented it uh, and w- when he talked about it, I said, boy, that's something I'm, I, I think I should read into. Uh, let me go grab this. And I did. And it was called um, The Richest Man in Babylon. 
I think you remember that. Yeah, I do. You made me read it. Yes, and it's short. Uh, yeah, and it was, I liked it. It's good. It was good. It was very good, and it was. And for me, it was. It was uh, reading it. Uh, it was every dumb thing that I ever did was right there. <laughs> well, do you do you remember what the uh, the lesson is in the whole book? Yeah, you know, pretty much the the main lesson that you take from that book is you pay yourself first. Do you do that? Yes, I do. Now, are you? You're not investing, though, are you? Well, uh, well I do. Um, well, okay, that's right. Yeah, right. That's right. Why you're, you know, you're you're putting your money in the, uh, you know, betterment, betterment. Yeah. Uh, but I was doing that with uh, ING when it was ING as a savings account. As a savings sure. account, and not investing though. Once I did that, I was on the right. I started on the right down the right path, uh-huh. and then from that point on, I was never. Uh, without a cash reserve where I can tap it if I was short one month or I needed something and I bought it and I decided I'm just going to get it like I always do kind of when I don't recommend that, mm-hmm. um, that I just get it because in my, you know, when it comes to music or my art and my, which is, I guess my hobby, um, if there's something I need, I generally get it and I worry about paying for it later, which is not good. No. Uh, that's what I did. Yeah, I know. And that's why I changed what I did because I decided that's not the way to go. Yeah. However, um, you know, I I got off, I'm not a real car addict anymore. So, you know, I stopped buying new, new cars and uh, I haven't bought a new car in a long time. Everything's always used. Mm -hmm. And, and now I paid the truck that I'm using that's paid off. And that's such a great feeling. Because I'm like, I don't really need one. I bought it at such a great bargain and it runs so good. Why should I? And I almost did it again. And I said, why would you do that? Right. Well, for what reason? It runs good. I use it for work. What's the point? Right. That's what you got to ask yourself before you That's buy it. That's exactly anything. right. Yeah. So now I ask that for everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, except the music part. Because when I needed the stereo mic, I just went out and bought it. When I downsized the mixer, yeah. I just went out and bought it. And I figured, hey- I'll sell all this stuff real quick. I'll figure quick. it out later. Yeah, and I'll and but I had a lot of equipment to sell off, and as you know, um, it's not moving. So, so yeah, <laughs> well, so you have no student loan debt. You got rid of that in twelve years. I did pay it off. Yes. Okay. Do you have credit card debt? I have no credit card debt, and so that's, a, so that's all you have right now is the mortgage. That's it. Because you didn't even have a car payment. No car payment. The only debt you have right now is the mortgage. Yeah. And, and that's and, pretty much sucking everything. Hey, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, if I charge something, I pay it off that month. Yeah, which you should do. Right, exactly. So I've, I've managed to, to really turn myself around. When did you do that? I started that uh, about two years ago because I'm like, I, I can't stand being in debt. It's, it's a form of slavery, as you well know. It is designed by the system, as you well know, because... If um, if we were educated properly as students, uh, sure. you wouldn't have that. Mom pointed that out. She, yeah. she had, her her um, teacher had to be a renegade uh, in order to, to to talk about money and investments and stuff like right. that. Right. In Catholic school, that was in in my era, it wasn't even a a factor. Nobody talked about it. I had algebra, calculus, trigonometry. I had all the science, math, and what and, would Jesus do? You had that uh, class. Yeah, you had that too. I mean, Moral. none of us paid attention to that, sure. but we we uh, we had it. And uh, and but no, it, when it came to money, uh, I had no idea how to take out a mortgage. I knew nothing about renting properties. I I just did it. 
and I learned by the seat of my pants. And made a lot of mistakes. Made a lot of mistakes, yeah, because, you know, you could ask me stuff about science and, and stuff like that, and I knew plenty. So, but not the things for you to survive. That's what I think is wrong, and it's still not right in, the, in today's system. It's still – it's kept from you because it would, it, would, it would not be good for the bankers right? or the banksters. Right. So, I mean, you look at something like that. Was it that that – made you want to become better with money just to stick it to them, to the establishment? No, I, I felt as though I was being, it was really a disservice to, to, to me and my family. So I said, you know what? You got you to gotta step up to the plate. You got to clean up your act. And, but with that goes independence. You, you, you're, you, you become uh, freer. I mean, uh-huh. just imagine if the house was paid off by now. Well, and it, it should have been. been. Right. Yeah, it should have been. Right. Uh, and had it been, I would be basically, hey, Dead I could do whatever I want. Right. At this you point, know, yeah. uh, I own my house. All I'd have to do is pay the taxes on it and utilities. I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. But, of course, that isn't the case. And with most people, it's not. And it's be- consistently refinancing. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, boy, they, they advertised it. They yeah. would. You know, they made it so appealing. Mm-hmm. Your your house was like an ATM, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just bar off the equity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you see what I did—a sunroom and and stuff like that. I did all that stuff, you know, uh, refining. Right, and uh, not a good thing to do. It's just not the right way to go. Well, I mean, I, I my mom gave me shit for not extending my refinance to to a full thirty years again, and I you did it the right way, right? I mean, mathematically, that was the right way to go, right? I mean, it doesn't make it doesn't make the monthly payments as low as they would be stretched out over thirty years. But you figured if you didn't refinance over and over again, I mean, it's been thirty. No, years. It, you lived here thirty years, right? And the last time I refinanced, I refinanced at fifteen years. Yeah. We paid off the home equity loan, uh-huh. and all we did was borrow enough just to cover the house. And we're and we're now you're working on that. We're working on that, and we're actually paying the. We we took the amortization schedule, mm-hmm. and we're paying the the principal. How we're doing it, and my brother showed me this, was like I make the monthly payment and mom pays the principal for the next month's payment. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we keep that up, we can cut literally the loan almost in half in years. Right. So it's not going to be easy, but that's my goal. And you're the – I mean – you're the only person in the family that listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, because, you know, it, it's part of... Uh, well, you support what I do. Always did. Always that. Always did, yeah. And, I mean, that's you're doing what, what... You're doing what you're doing, and I don't want to take credit, but well, it's my it. influence. Take it. Uh, it. You know, your parents set set all the filters for, for their children as they're born. You know, you're, you... You see the world through our eyes. It's it's the way parenthood is. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we weren't disciplinarians, and and we gave you plenty of room to to maneuver. But you were listening to music in the womb. Yeah, I was a free range chicken. Yes, you are, and uh, and you you basically heard me play while you were in mom's belly, and uh, so for you not to be in music would have been a shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so you had that music gene. Um, you know, you got uh, yeah. That's that's all being the, the you know the art part of it. Yeah, you can also take credit for uh, the twenty nine years that I was shitty with money. 
<laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you can take credit for that. And I'll then, take credit for that, and, yes. And then and and now that I'm doing the podcast, I'm better with it. You're right. And, and I'm sharing what I'm learning through the process with you. That's right. And mom. And 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 Dan and Chris. And again, I'll family. take a little sidebar for that because you scared the living crap out of me because you made me see myself uh errant with money and I said, There is no way I'm gonna teach this kid anything about money when I'm so bad at it. Right. And and I wouldn't say, you know, bad. It's just that I just had some really bad habits and because I could fly by the seat of my pants well, and so just keep that's it in, how I am at, yeah. in the back of my head. Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, you know, I want this and I need that, but I'm going to get this and I'll worry about it later and blah, blah, blah. And there you go. And that's why I mean, the first time mom ever walked into the studio, mm-hmm. she looked around and said, oh, my God. Where did you get the money for all of this? I said, don't ask me that. Right. <laughs> I think it's weird is is that we're both creatives. Yes. And yet we both do very technical things. So it's not like we are – we both do math on a daily basis. Absolutely. Your, your job involves math. Yep. My job involves math. Yep. And yet for some reason, even though – where create you know you he's a lot of, a lot of people make the excuse that well he's a, he's a, he's an artist he's he's creative he's not going to be good with money mom made that argument last night what did they what did he what did she call uh what was what was the word she used starving artist no she used an, she, it was it's it run it with hippie slippy skippy skippy that's right she called him skippies that? eh, that's a bastardization of hippie is really what it was right but you have to admit musicians have a definite different mindset i think i sent you a a link one time on on facebook about how musicians think and i said oh my god this guy nailed it yeah but it's not like we're painters where we don't use numbers on a daily basis we're not you know we're doing technical things which is what money is it's a technical skill here's my philosophy when you when you here's my philosophy on money all right i mean i have no idea where this is going to me it's boring however I want to be good at it so I never have to think about it. So that's, good that you never have to worry. That's right. right. I want to be good at it so where it becomes almost a non-thought. So good so enough. Can, good enough, yeah. So that you don't have to worry. That's right. That's I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have to struggle, uh-huh. but I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it and always have the, the, the cash reserve to go, oh, yeah, I need a new microphone? No, sh- oh. no problem. I need to uh, change this or that. No problem. I got to do it. And there we go. Bang, it's done. I don't have to worry about it. That's how I want. I don't. That's how I feel now. I don't worry about it. I used to, yeah, I, I'm sure you've gone through this because I've gone through this. Have you ever walked into a, a store with a credit card or a de- debit card or whatever kind of card and just sat there nervous that it wasn't going to go through? Hmm. Like you've gone, you, just, it's happened. Yeah, though. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like you go to Shoprite, uh, and you, you know you have like you know seventy five, a hundred dollars worth of groceries, and you're like, here's the card, and you're like, I don't know, if it's gonna go through, and then and it's then, like, oh, and you, there's yeah. a sigh of relief that like washes over you when it when you see the approved sign, right? Yeah, that's I, not good. No, but you know what? I've been there, but that's a that is a while ago now. I mean, right? I, I haven't gone. I've used to go through that, and imagine the stress. That, that a lot puts, of stress that, to that, that. That unnecessary stress that puts on you. Well, you know, I did whatever it took to to, to raise you guys, and um, so to me, you know, like to money, money's no object right, because I'll right. eventually make it, 
and I, and I'll get better at it. <laughs> Although I kept putting that off uh, because I saw no light at the tunnel. I mean, I, you know, you, you I was you know you and your two brothers, you know, and then we lived we left Philadelphia, which was you know really uh, a cheap place to live at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, mom just said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to raise three kids on the boulevard. So, uh, which was a 12 lane highway in Northeast Philly. Yeah. I was there the other day. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, she's like, right, we got to go. And then, and she picked this place and there, here we are. But, um, with it came a lot more bills, you know, when I, we're, we thought, oh, gee, you know, and it's taxes. a taxes. Well, New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, the, um, that was sarcastic, right? Yeah, it is sarcastic, okay. of course, because it's the highest state in the union, I think, or at least if if it's not the, the the number one, it's the number two with the highest property tax. So we left Philadelphia because we were getting city wage tax, which mm-hmm. was which was a killer. Mm-hmm. So we moved to New Jersey, and of course, the first few years it was a savings, uh, but since then, from the time we moved here to to what it is now. It's tripled, tripled in property tax. Right. Now, where can you go where that's going to happen? Not too many places. But in this great state, yes, that's where it happens. And unfortunately, it's a hub. New Jersey's, you know, you know, it's it's between, you know, Philadelphia and New York. And but sure. a lot of people are live here and it's a great state, great great coastal cities and stuff. I don't want to get into politics because, you know, I'll, get, I'll rant. No, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, but again, it's what are the property taxes. Believe me, this house would have long been paid off if it wasn't for the property taxes because the property taxes are almost half my mortgage payment. Hmm. So that's that sucks. And that's that's what also kills you. You know, it's it's the taxes. It's what um, what's being taken out of your pay. Right. Uh, if everybody was paying if it was equal between corporations the rich and the working class uh we'd have a lot more people thriving that's what needs to happen but of course you know that's not going to happen in at least not in my lifetime maybe yours and you know we're not going down that road no that, you don't want, me, you don't want me to take that road nor do you want me to talk about money and and uh, how it's being used as a an enslavement no, no, thing. You don't want me to go down that road. Or even talk about the Federal Reserve. No, I don't want to go down that road, no. <laughs> so, I mean, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? Uh, Do you have any, any words of wisdom? Yeah, or? words of wisdom. Yeah, is, give, give me some, uh, I have to agree with, you, with the way, the route you guys are taking, and that is tell people, you know, get out of debt. That is probably the singest, single biggest thing you could do yeah. to really t- help turn your life around because indebtedness back in the day and in that book is basically what he explains it very well uh you were if you couldn't pay your debts to your to the person you borrowed money or goods from you were their slave mm-hmm. that's where it started indebtedness so then you had to work it off so you worked for that guy whoever helped you out and you had to be literally his slave until you paid him off and uh, since you didn't have, you know, money to pay them off, that's what you had to do. Well, it's no different now. It's just, you know, it's just more civilized in a sense. Right. You know, it's it's all paper and it's money. The money is worthless that it's printed on. Mm-hmm. It has no value anymore. So what they do is just keep you indebted 
or enslaved so that you constantly work. And if you follow that, then you'll never be free. That's right. basically it. So getting out of debt, is there anything else? Yeah, don't you can't do what I did. Obviously, you know, even though I had a good memory and all that good keep stuff, and I used shit. to, I used to keep track in my head. Yeah, and I and I saw you do that, and that didn't work. Yeah, no. And I said, yeah, like, no, you can't do it. I mean, even as good as my memory is. Well, now I got, no. I got. How you do? You use Mint? I should get you on Mint. Uh, you, you keep talking about it, and I do it strictly old school, which is you know. Pen and paper. You know, yeah, pen and paper. And Although I'm on a computer. All right, well, I know. And I see all my bills paid on the computer and with the bank statements. you got an iPhone statements. and you got a I got computer. an iPhone, all that good stuff. You know, I'm, 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 you know, you guys cut me up for not being technically savvy. But as you know, I've been on a, uh, uh, in both hobby, you know, my, my day job and working with music, I'm constantly on programs. Yeah. And on a computer. So I've been on computers since the mid-80s. I was doing software design in, in 85 and 86 on a Mac that had maybe 25 megabytes of memory. It was was ancient back then. But, hey, when I saw what it could do, I said, this is the future, and I better get used to it. Because I said, oh, I could draw faster than this. And then I learned how to use it, and I have been on it ever since. So, yeah, there, you know, when I do my banking, it's online. Right. Every week I look at it. Right. I, I make sure my, my numbers are in line. I know where my money's going. I don't keep track of it every single day. I just know I don't – I hardly spend any money anymore. I don't I, – you know, it's food. It's, um, you know, and very few things. Very, very few things. But that's because, you know, the older you get, the less you need. I think that's not true. Um, it is. It's, it's what you – it's it's what you perceive of value, and what well, you think you need. Well, think about it. I, I you, I'm all young. you guys lived here. You don't live here anymore, so I don't have that expense. That's true, but I'm that's a that's, that, yeah. So you're an empty nester, very empty nester. So that's a sa- big savings in and of itself. My food bill's been cut in literally in half, if not more. Uh, as you know, I don't buy in the supermarkets like you. Uh-huh. You know, it's Whole Foods or Amish. Uh-huh. Period. Right. Nothing comes out of a box, you know, very, very few things. And, you know, it's everything's got to be fresh. The whole food system in this country is corrupt. Yeah, I agree. And um, But again, we, another road but, we can't go that's down. That's right. Another road we can't go down. But again, when you learn how to eat healthy, it's actually cheaper, cheaper and better for you. Yeah. Because as you can see, you know, you, you live healthier, you have less medical problems, you're not overweight, right. you know, and you know, all of that comes with it. So, yeah, they're, they're all good habits that you want to uh, encourage people on your podcast to do, obviously. No doubt. I think that's it. You think? I think we've been going for, I don't even know how long we've been going for. It doesn't matter. You can edit it. No, I can edit it. That's right. But uh, thanks for doing it. Oh, you're welcome. It's for Father's Day. I'm glad to be on it. Yep. As you know, I'm a fan. Yep. And happy Father's Day again. Thank you very much. And I wish you guys luck. Yeah. What do you guys, what do you want for Father's Day? You know, you know me. I never ask because there's so many things, and you know all my habits. So you know whatever you yeah. want to get me, that's about, fine. And food, you want New York trip? Uh, it's you know that's my favorite, all right. and that's easy for you to make. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, no problem. All that's, right, that's my favorite. I don't eat a lot of meat, but when I do, that's the one. I that's the one of choice. All right. Well, all right, we're done. All right. Thank you. Yep. So uh, that was my that was my dad doing an interview with the dogs in the background. 
because uh, they we well we have two my, dogs. Is there so dogs you, in the background for you? Well, so you had dogs in the background for you, and uh, I don't know if you hear. My mom was slowly ripping paper in the background <laughs> purposefully. No, because he's ripping out a crossword or something for the newspaper. But, but it's super I'm, slow. Because I'm talking to my daddy as the ear set on. She can't hear me making fun of her. And then she sneezed really loud once, <laughs> really loud again, and then was like <laughs> blowing her nose. <laughs> Perfect. It's, it's kind of funny. So uh, to end this, I want to say happy Father's Day again, right? Yeah. Happy Father's Day to both of our dads and to all the other dads out there who are listening. Dads are awesome. Dads are awesome. They are important. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the Mother's Day podcast, but if you are a father, it is very important, and my dad will attest to this as well. It's very important that you teach your kids how to handle, handle money. money. Yeah. yeah. Um, my dad, he, in, in the interview, he, he mentions that, you know, he had no right to teach me how to use money because he wasn't doing it himself. So he had to make it a point to, you know, kind of get his act together so he could lead by example. And, you know, now that I'm doing this podcast, which is which is weird because like a, even a year ago, I was terrible with money. And he's like, well, you know, it wasn't really, you know, him getting his act together didn't make me get my act together. Mm. It was just me getting my act together. Like I just had to do it out of necessity. And... It's just interesting how, um, you know, because we talked to my mom. Your dad, your parents are both pretty good with money, and my mom mm. is really good with money. My dad, not so much, and he's he's, you know, I think that's why he's also a fan of the show because he's probably learning stuff. It's like, you know, like father, like son, like father, like son. It, it would very much in common. Very, <laughs> a lot of things in common. Me and my dad, we have like a ridiculous amount of things in common. You so got, if something I'm happens. So if something happens to you, I should take your dad on as yeah, the yeah, other call. Yeah, dude, he would love that. In <laughs> fact, like, I mean. I, I I am my father's son. There's just no, there's no way around it. Like you, like <laughs> oh that's oh that must be your dad. Yeah, that's definitely my dad, uh, and vice versa. Oh, that must be your son. Yeah, he's my son. <laughs> so uh, that's it, guys. Happy Father's Day! And look, thanks for hanging out with us as always, and thanks for uh, listening to the show. And if you guys have any questions you'd like us to answer, send it in. Listen to Money Matters at gmail dot com by email. We are we are. Always answering questions, and even if you just want to say hello and tell us how much you love the show, tell us tell us how much you hate the show. It doesn't matter. We just like talking to you guys uh, via email and you know through Twitter at Money Matters Man, through Facebook even Facebook.com slash Listen Money Matters. And if you like the show, and we hope that you do, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcasting app is your favorite that you're listening to us on. It is. In crazy important. Did you have you have something you wanted to say? You felt well. I was going to say if you're a father, you should leave us a review on iTunes. But then I realized that may, maybe didn't make that much sense. It so doesn't. I was going to I was going to I was going to not say it. But oh, it's a good thing you held it back then. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm going to read a review. Um, <laughs> it's uh, really super good. Five stars by No Host CCP from the U.S. Well done, guys. I just found you guys yesterday and have already plowed through a half a dozen shows. Tons of great advice. Well played, sirs. Excellent. Excellent review. Short and sweet. You do not have to leave novel size reviews. You can leave. I, there is a review I think that said, like, awesome. Perfect. I'm, that, that works. That is, that is more than enough. And uh, 
We talk about Betterment. I got, I'm got, I got my dad on Betterment. Uh, it's uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash Betterment because if you use that particular address and you sign up through that address, you will get $25 in your Betterment account for free. And if that was the only thing you did, then awesome. And, you know, while we're here, mm. well, you know, this episode's long enough. We'll go into the next one. But uh, definitely check out Betterment. It's awesome. Last but not least, if you want to learn more about personal finance and money management, you know we're always writing new stuff. And we're, of course, posting up a new episode of the Listen Money Matters podcast every single day at listenmoneymatters.com. And, of course, listenmoneymatters.com slash show to get directly to the podcast page and to see all the episodes we've done so far and we are going to do in the future. So that's it. Happy Father's Day once again. Thanks for hanging out with us and we look forward to the next episode. Later, Andrew. Later, brah.